are you taking for granted in your life right now? And that's such a really broad question that if you're actually taking it for granted, though, you probably couldn't even answer it, <laughs> right? Um, so we recently got rid of cable uh, in our house and went to uh, some other forms of accessing TV, and uh, it's been really fun. I put an antenna on my house that I rarely use, and um, I bought a bunch of other little devices that, like, I, you know, when something comes on TV, I had to go online and figure out where it could be, and then I have to plug in a bunch of different things and find it. But um, my kids have had a transition, and there's like, when, when they know something's on, they're like looking through, like, Dad, can't get it. Right? Because, yeah, like it's not instant access anymore. They've had to learn this thing that I knew as a kid where you had to watch TV when it came on. Do you remember that, older people? You're like, oh, Friday's at 7. You know, that's when Full House is on, right? And so you would watch it. You couldn't, like, it wasn't just like access it whenever. If you missed it, you had to wait till, like, yeah, reruns, like later in the year. It was horrible. So my, my kids are getting just a, just a taste of that. Or like, do you remember, so when, I, when Mandy and I were uh, first married, we had this little TV and these little bunny ear antenna, and um, we got one channel. We got NBC. And, uh, but I would work so that we could watch uh, Jay Leno and Friends. Those were the two shows we wanted to watch, right? And I would just be like, you know, you'd start taping things to it or connecting hangers to it, you know, or like touching it to, like one, I would touch it, to the wall. And for some reason that did it. I don't know why. But, um, you know, my kids, we've had some reception issues and they've been like, what is this? You know? So they've taken TV, pure, digital, beautiful, multi-channel TV for granted. And I took it away from them. And uh, now they appreciate it a lot more when we actually can find something to watch. All right. So what do you think you're taking for granted about Jesus? And the problem is we get so used to God we get so used to all of his good things that we, that we forget to thank him for them. And I was thinking about this. When we forget all that he has done, we tend to forget what he wants to do. And we stop plugging into the things that he still wants to do in our lives. And he commanded the Israelites in Deuteronomy, take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He was saying, look, I know that you're going to move on past, like right now this feels big. But you're going to move past it, and you're going to go into normal life, and you're going to get used to the promised land, and you're going to forget that you still need me. You're going to forget that you need me just as much in the promised land as you did coming out of the land of Egypt. And so um, that's what our series is about. We're talking about remembering some of the, the most important things about God that we can tend to take for granted. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd speak through your word and through me tonight super clearly. I pray that you would open our hearts to really receive it, God. And I pray that, uh, you know, we got a lot of stuff to cover. I pray somehow in your grace that what, what each person in here, including myself, needs to hear, that you would just drop that truth right into their heart tonight as we talk. Amen. All right. Um, so I want to read the verse that Jonathan already read. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, my teaching is based on, yeah, we can hand those out at the end, on Ephesians 2. So I want to read, let's start off with the first few verses of Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were, by nature, deserving of wrath. Encouraging, 
right? That's a great Bible verse. But we need to start there, because tonight we're going to talk about what has Jesus done for me. And we're going to have other topics as the series goes on. But what has Jesus done for me? Before we can really think about what Jesus has done for me, we have to start in the beginning of why Jesus had to come and die for our sins. And this is a great explanation. We were dead in our sins. We were lifeless. We were, and I don't know about you, I mean, I've been a follower of Jesus my whole life, but I have gotten in touch with the darkness within. Have you, have you ever done that in your life? All right. I know, I know who I can be without Jesus. And it's not like be all that you can be, right? Um, I know the darkness of my hidden fears and my hidden sins and my disappointment and my loss. And I know the darkness of my greed and my judgment and my critical spirit. I know what it is to be me not influenced, like not under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And there's a, there's a darkness there. But you know, I don't think we like to think about ourselves as super sinful people who are dead and deserving of eternal wrath. No. We don't talk about that a lot in church. <laughs> I can see why not. You know, it's not like super uh, exciting. But I think we forget that God is so incredibly perfect. Like if, if there were measures of perfectness, right? He's, he's the perfectest perfect that could be, right? He's totally pure. And so even if you think that you are a pretty good person, because that's what people say, right? I'm a pretty good person. I treat people well. I'm, I'm, you know, I try to be nice. I try to be helpful. Even if you're pretty good, let's say you're even really good, you're the opposite of perfect. It's not like these, it's not like this gradation, like where we're getting closer and closer. See, 2 Corinthians says, what relationship can light have with darkness? None. It's not, oh, but we're, I'm pretty good. Like, okay, Ethan, you've got some pretty long arms, don't you? Why don't you put your arms all the way up in the air? Okay, those are some pretty long arms. Now, now let's just say, like, he, he's got long, let's all put our arms in the air. Let's see. Now, now, let's all try to touch the ceiling. Look up there. Try to touch the ceiling. Try hard. Ethan, try to touch the ceiling. You can stand up on the chair if you want to, okay? You can try as hard as you want to. I'm standing. I've got... Go, Ethan. How many of us failed at touching the ceiling? We all equally failed. It doesn't matter that Ethan's a little bit closer to the ceiling, does it? He did not touch the ceiling. None of us touched the ceiling. That's what the Bible's talking about when it says you have all fallen short of the glory of God. It's not that we're so close. We're so far. You take a perfectly white piece of paper and you put one black dot on it, and it, it ceases. It's not like, well, it's mostly white still. It is not a white sheet of paper anymore, right? So when we, when we introduced sin, when mankind introduced sin to the world, we became opposite of God. There's a fourth century church father named Jerome. I like that name. He said, light views of sin induce light views of God. All right, there's another Scottish preacher who said, any theory that minimizes sin minimizes the redemptive work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, no, I don't, I don't have one. So when we, when we forget, when we lose touch of our brokenness without Jesus, we actually minimize the need for him and the work he did on the cross. Isaiah says, your evil has separated you from God. The New Testament says, there is no one who is righteous. 
Our evil has separated us from God. Your sins cause him to turn away from you, to hide his face so he won't have to listen to you. I mean, this is how bad your sin is. Your sin is abomination in God's eyes. Your sin is something God can't live with, literally. He wants to live with you and me. He wants to draw us in, but our sin has eternally separated us from us from him. All have sinned, and the consequences of that sin is death. The end. Let's worship. You guys, come on up. We remember. Amen. But see, if a light view of sin leads to a light view of God, so I, we have to press the pedal of how dark and how far we are from Jesus to really grasp the great work that he did. Because I feel like people just... We just gloss over Jesus. He's just your friend and he, he believes in you. And, and those are wonderful things. But like Jesus saved us from eternal separation from God. Our sin, our choices, our greed, even if you're pretty good, right? I'm pretty good. Maybe your greatest sin is you're selfish. Guess what? Jesus is selfless perfectly selfless, and your selfishness has driven a wedge eternally between you and God. And so then Jesus says this, but, all right, so verse four, because of the great love of God for us, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive. So we were dead in our transgressions and sins, deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, he made us alive Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it's by grace. This is a free gift. It's by grace you've been saved. God raised us up with Christ and seated us in heavenly realms with Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. He's just going to show us over and over and over again how kind he has been to us in giving us his son, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It's a gift. It's like the ceiling was brought down to the floor for us. Well, then we'd be squished. But brought down to a reasonable height. Not by works, so no one can boast. For we are God's beautiful creations. His handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, that's beautiful and wonderful. And I've been studying all week about what has Jesus done for us. And I want to show you this list of words. Can you put this next slide up, Janine? Okay, here's all these Asian words. Redemption, reconciliation, adoption, justification, propitiation, imputation, regeneration, sanctification. Those are all different words that have powerful meaning. And I have wrestled all week because I knew that this man right here would be sitting really close to me. And I know... The greatest sin is to bore anyone in a teaching. God should, never be boring. God should never be boring. And these words are boring. Can you wrap that again? No. In a Scottish accent. But these words are powerful. And so I'm going to attempt something which no one has ever attempted before. is to talk about all these words in 10 minutes without boring you. All right, here we go. Because if you want to get the fullness of what Jesus has done for you, I couldn't cross any of these off. They're all so meaty, like literally we could teach a whole half hour on each one. Maybe, maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half. I mean, they're so powerful, all right? So first, I'm going to kind of like blanket some of them together, okay? So the first thing he did is he reclaimed his ownership of us. So we cut ourselves off 
from the line of God. We quit the family. We left the business. We moved out. We kicked him in the face. We insulted him, cussed him out, said we're doing our own thing. And he came back and he said, I'm going to reclaim ownership of you. He redeemed us. I had a drum set that my dad bought me when I was 14 years old. I played that thing. It traveled all over the country with us, literally. Um, Almost lost it off the back of a trailer one time. I love that drum set. And then somewhere in my late 20s, I sold it to someone in the church. And they had it for like five or six years, and then they moved to college. And then I had a son who was getting old enough to need a drum set. And I was like, it'd be so cool if he could learn on my old set. So I redeemed... My drum set, literally, I bought it. I paid money to buy back that which was already mine. Somebody else had stolen it from me. No, but that's what redeem means, to buy back at a price something that was already yours. For you know that it was not with perishable things like silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ— a little bit more important than my drum set. But Jesus bought you back, reclaimed you as his own. He redeemed you at a great price. And then not only did he redeem you, he reconciled you. So he didn't just buy you back, but he fixed the relationship. He said, okay, he could have stopped there. He could have said, you're mine now. But he was like, I want to have relationship with you. So he says, even while we were enemies, We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now we are reconciled by, uh, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. You know, one of my Achilles heels emotionally is when anyone is upset with me. And uh, the the closer I am to them, the worse it is. And um, I was just having this memory. I can remember um, last year uh, I, I corrected Judah about something at my house. And then, like, Judah is a super sensitive, wonderful kid. And, and I was not too sure about, in my opinion, he is, at least. Um, I was not too sure about, like, you know, like, you know when you correct someone else's kids, right? When you correct your kids, you're just like, <laughs> right? When you correct other kids, you try to, like, tone it down. But I, I was, like, watched his eyes, and he kind of, like, shriveled a little bit. And I thought, oh, man. I know. And so he went home, and so I... I was racked with guilt for like hours. I couldn't find peace. And I finally had to call Jonathan and Rebecca and ask them if he was okay. And they were like, what are you talking about? So, um, but I, when, I, when I feel irreconciliation, I, I feel like I'm going to die on the inside. And Jesus has brought that peace. But not only did he reconcile us, but he adopted us. He didn't have to do that. I mean, it's radical, the steps that he took by dying on the cross and raising from the dead. He didn't just say, hey, fine, I paid the price, you can all come to heaven. He he didn't just say, hey, you can all come to heaven and let's have relationship. He said, why don't you be my sons and my daughters? When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the, the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. This is so significant, right? Especially in the ancient culture that this was all written in. Being in a family was your connection to everything. You know, we're so disconnected now in, in our society, but then being in a family was, it was your lifeline. 
It was your future, your career, your money. Everything was there to be in the family. And so there's, there's everything about our future and our authority and our identity is wrapped up in this important term called adoption. So not only did he claim us back, but he removed all debts from our account. Right, he could have been like, you know, the prodigal son story, if you've, you know, if you've heard that, where the prodigal son basically says, I'll go back and work for my dad. At least, you know, my dad pays his, feeds his slaves better food than I can find on my own, right? But his dad doesn't do that. His dad basically instantly erases all debts from his account, right? So here's three powerful theological words. You ready? First, we're justified. This is a legal term. So we've talked about the relational healing, but we broke the law and God is just. So we've got a problem. He is just and he must, he must be just or else he ceases to be God. So if he just let us off the hook, he's like, eh, you know when I said the punishment for sin was death? Never mind. He would cease to be God. There had to be a payment Someone had to pay, had to pay back the debt that we had accrued. And that was Jesus. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners. Do you see how many of these happened while we were still sinners? It's amazing. Christ died for us since we have now been justified by his blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? We were made innocent. You've, you've, you've probably heard this before, but it's like, you know, a judge being up there and being like, you're guilty, Poof, sentence you to this. Poof. And then he comes down, takes off his robe and goes and serves the time for you. That's, that's essentially what God's done. He is, next big word in 1 John, the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours only, but also for the whole sin of the, of the sins of the whole world. This propitiation is, is this incredible movement of taking the sins of you and putting them in his account. So he says, you know what? When you were greedy, no, that wasn't you. That was me. I was greedy. When you were lustful, that wasn't you. I was lustful. When you had hatred in your heart, that wasn't you. I had a hatred in my heart. And guess what? You were loving and you were caring because the next big word is imputation. And he imputes his righteousness into us. Second Corinthians, he, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So at some point, you should be like, this is insanity. These concepts are too great for us to understand, too profound for us to wrap our hearts and minds around. And yet this is the gospel. This is Jesus came. It's, it just has been so whitewashed. And that's why I wanted to start with talking about our sin Right? If we have a light view of our need for a God, a light view of sin, we'll have a light view of his salvation work in our lives. But can you see how much you needed Jesus? Not only did he reclaim us and bring us into his family, but he removed all debts from our accounts. He said, that billion dollars that Gary owes, I owe it now. Transfer. And that quadrillion, jillion dollars that I've got, into your account. Instant transfer. And I've got this debt. Jesus, Jesus, this is why Jesus hung on the cross. This is why Jesus 
you know, uh, sweated blood. This is why going to the cross, he said, is there any way you can take this cup from me, God? It's because he knew he was taking on your sin and my sin, and you don't ever have to pay for it. Do you know how many times I go back? We went out to Buffalo Wild Wings a couple of nights ago, and we ate, me and some of my nieces and children, and I paid for the food, and I left. How many times have I gone back and paid for that food? Zero times. I, I don't keep going back. I wasn't like, oh man, we ate Buffalo Wild Wings. I better go pay again. Oh man, we ate Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't know. It's whatever. It's Pat. We ate Buffalo Wild Wings and I feel guilty about it. I, feel, I mean, I know I paid, but did I really pay? Did I pay? Let me go tip some more. Like, I've never once thought about that. We do that all the time. We're like, oh, I'm such a bad sinner. You know, but Jesus is like, there, I, I'm looking at your sheet here. You're, there's, there's no, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you're telling me you're, you're sinful, but all I see is Jesus. Like, okay, let me look up. Let me look. Alex Duzan, righteous. That's, that's gotta Sorry, be wrong. dude. That's, gotta be wrong. that's true. It's what the Bible says. He made you the righteousness of God. He made you. He made you. He turned you into it. He put it into your account. And you go and you say, but God. And he says, no, Jesus. I see Jesus. Okay, and then there's one more group of terms, all right? Because third, he made us alive. He made us new. So there's these two words, regeneration and sanctification. Regeneration is he changed us from the inside, and sanctification is kind of the process of continuing to become like Jesus. So he gave us an ability to be new, and then he walks us through it. You're a new person. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are new. You know this, for we are God's handiwork. That whole thing ends with we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That uh, Greek word for handiwork is is, I can't say it, but it means like poem. It's like a beautiful, well thought out piece of art. You're a piece of work. <laughs> God has spent time developing, investing his heart. I mean, I don't, I'm not an artist, so I don't know what this is like, but I know people who are artists and they pour themselves into their art. God has poured himself into you. You are his handiwork. You, he has made new. He has made alive and not just so you can sit on a shelf. That's the great thing. It's so you can do the things God's created you to do. So just like, let's review. Like, let's rewind. You were lying in a ditch, dead in your transgressions, right? And Jesus is like, let me bring you back to the family. Let me adopt you in. Let me reconcile our relationship. Let me erase all your debts and I'm going to make you righteous. You have all of my assets. Remember, Ephesians says, we have been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The one we just read, so we, he took us and seated us high above with Jesus, with Jesus in the heavenly places. And then he said, I have a great plan for you. Let's go. Like he took you. All right, so what is our response? So we're going to, let's have a piano player come up. That's our, our response. Both of you. Dueling piano. Yeah. Okay. 
So we're going to respond. And this is what we do now is at the end of the teaching, we give multiple responses. Communion, I think, should be especially profound today. Right? So as we were going to go back into worship, worship team, you can go up and we're going back into worship. If you want to respond by just worshiping, great. If you want to respond by taking communion, great. If you want to get prayer for God to pour out his spirit into your life, great. But let me just give you one other way we can respond. I'm giving each of you something like a, a card that you can spend some time either now or later in meditation with. So we're going to do about 15 more minutes of worship. I think our response can be three, threefold. First, we can live grateful lives. I mean, after we've thought about all this, isn't your heart full of gratitude for Jesus and what he's done for us? So I think we can respond by being grateful for what God's done for us instead of taking things for granted. Second, I think we can live free. What a, a great verse in the Bible is where it says that he's, it is for freedom that he set you free. Uh, he was never like, I set you free. And then he's really happy that we don't live free. Right? He has set us free so that we can live free. So let's spend some time. We can think about, are, are there any areas of our life? Have we become satisfied or apathetic or succumbed to feelings of shame or fear or pride or judgment? Are we living free? And third, are we living missionally? You know, this whole thing was, I, I got to read this one more verse. I know we've read like a thousand scriptures tonight, but this is a different section. It's in 2 Corinthians. He says, therefore, we're a new creation, Okay. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And it says he's pleading through us, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Pleading through us. Be reconciled to God. We're to live missionally. The reconciliation that you have been given as a free gift, you are to give away. I am to give away. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. So in which, which ways are we living missionally? So, Father, we invite your presence. Let's stand together. If anyone didn't get one of these sheets, there's some more up here on the stand. Lord, we want to respond to you with full hearts. We just want to worship you for all that you have done for us, Jesus. We thank you for what you have done for us, Jesus. We don't take it for granted. We remember. Come, Holy Spirit. next song. Feel free to go and take communion. We're going to worship. If we can have a few uh, prayer people, head over there on this side. If you want to go and receive prayer, you can head over to, to this side and um, we're going to pray for you in response to, to this teaching or to um, anything going on in your life. If you need healing, if you need to hear a word from God, if you need a, um, a breakthrough, we, we love to pray for each other and we believe there's power in that. So let's do that. Um, find James. That'd be really great to uh, turn some lights down. If, we could do that. if anybody knows how to do that. Oh, Janine. I, I didn't see you back there. All right, Janine's got it. <laughs> 